0: Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you've had a good day so far, and I hope to make your day better. We're looking forward to a great show. I've got my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese, who usually appears on the Monday program, as you well know. And of course, with it being Labor Day this Monday, we decided to move him into today's slot. So I'm looking forward to that. And then Steve Carter is going to join me after that. We're going to be talking about uh, one verse from Psalm 106. That's going to be interesting how we're going to fill 30 minutes on that verse, but you're going to have to wait and find out how it's going to happen. And then Philip Shorey is going to be joining me. He's going to be talking about five generations of evangelism through the arts. It's a fascinating story, and you're going to love hearing about it, as his whole family started uh, when a group of family decided not to board the Titanic. That's how it all got started. So uh, let's bring on Patrick, my uh, friend and uh, colleague from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, welcome.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I, I I'm curious, you know, uh, if he's ever thought about what his story would be like had they boarded the Titanic. Well, if they, if, if they would have made it, if they would have yeah, made it, you know, <laughs> uh,
0: plenty of people were rescued that night.
1: Uh, that's true. But yeah. if, you know, if he didn't make it, why, he'd have an entirely different story. To <laughs> yes, he would. He, <laughs> he
0: would, would have an entirely different story. Yeah. So I don't know if you were uh, busy last night or if you were able to tune in to a little bit of the opening. Uh, of NFL game for the season?
1: I did. I watched uh, uh, a big portion of okay. it. In fact, yes, I, uh, you know, I, do you have to apologize for liking Tom Brady these days? I don't, I don't even I hope know. Not. I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. Let's but just, I, yeah
0: let's, it's let's fun let's, to watch him work. Oh, is it ever? Let's revisit the NFL draft in the year 2000. He was the 199th uh, round draft choice, and he got passed over six times by teams until some team called the New England Patriots decided to give him a chance.
1: Yeah, I mean, other teams were picking water boys before they picked Brady. Yeah, quarterback, huh? You know what? We could really use a Gatorade guy. <laughs> we could really. We need we need somebody reliable on the Gatorade. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you keep that Brady character. That's amazing. I, I mean, Michael Jordan was, you know, uh, didn't do too well in his early, uh, years. I think it was in college. Well, his, and, uh, his said, high school, I don't know if it's going to work out too well for you.
0: His high school basketball yeah. coach told him to quit that he wouldn't have a future in basketball.
1: I love stories like that. I, I do too. And, you know, and I'm sure that that the, the two of them probably have plenty of grace because they have plenty of championship rings, which with a championship ring comes tremendous grace, uh, to maybe visit that, you know, that, high school teacher and say, hey, just wanted to say, thanks for the motivation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Does that work to your advantage when you get a little piece of what you would consider negative news or a little bit of, of harsh criticism? Does that motivate you to, to excel or does that deflate you or a little bit of both?
1: Um, you know, that's a, I think it would depend on what had happened in my life sure. at a young age. And I think that's what's amazing about these two. They were, they were young. And, and I think I, I don't know if as you get older, the stubbornness that sets in says, well, I'll show you. But when you're young, you could have that reaction. You could also say uh, some people might use that as an excuse to they go, you know what? It's just going to be such hard work. And I was told by an expert.
0: Right. That, um, the old expert.
1: Yeah. And so maybe it's just the path of least resistance and it can be a a pretty welcome thing. If you're saying, I don't know if I want to work that hard, Um, you know, it it is we many people enjoy watching whatever the, the sport is, but we have no clue what goes into being an elite athlete. And the the amount of work, and then to be told if you've already worked hard that you know it doesn't look like you you've got what it takes, so that you know that you're gonna have to work even harder than you're currently working. Uh, that that'll make you know a, a more than a handful of people turn away. And I think that that might have been me. Although I have like a, a, as you know my story with a, a friend of mine who her challenge if she ever wanted me to do something is she'd say I bet you can't figure this out. Say, <laughs> well, that. Yeah. The gauntlet has been laid down. Yeah. So,
0: so that always worked to your advantage. And I, I hope that people realize that words are so powerful and you can use words to literally change the course of somebody's life, especially if you bring them the truth of the gospel. That's, of course, where you start. But there's also little ways in which you can uplift people and encourage people. And I was the recipient of some of that stuff. And I can specifically remember the night, the place, where I was standing, the uh, the person that said it to me and what they were wearing. And you just can't believe how important it is and how you hold out to those words for good or for
1: worse. Do you remember the words? Never. Never. Wait, always. Always. I remember the outfit, but I, I remember what he said. But he was, yeah. it might have been a her. It might have been a woman. I can't even, you know, come yeah. to think of it. Yeah.
0: Uh, no, I, I remember specifically. It was a uh, cold, cold January. Uh, no, 4th of July.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> like it was yesterday. Yeah,
0: this whole argument is falling apart. But y- y- yeah. you know, I-, I don't really want to mention what was said to me because it was very complimentary. And I was oh, I hoping guess, that okay. to be true. You know, when somebody says something that's really encouraging and really nice and you you think yes. to yourself, I want that to be true for me. Yeah. So y- you, I just I- I hung on to that. So my my whole point is it costs nothing. And I know there's people in your life that you can offer these words of encouragement to and just to give them a a little boost and surprise them with a little word of encouragement. It'll make a huge difference in people's lives.
1: Well, uh, so, you know, you and I, you said you said it, you did say it. And, and, uh, you know, it's I think you and I both have an affinity for this. There's an art form. Let's call it an art form of the backhanded compliment. Not the backhanded insult that some people <laughs> tend to, tend to you know, to, to specialize in, especially in these days of social media and snarkiness, but um, like a backhanded compliment. So uh, let's say if I'm working out of the gym and there's somebody that's obviously, you know, it's they're firing on all cylinders and they're in a, a amazing shape and you can tell that they're working hard and they're dedicated. You know, sometimes I'll see them, you know, pick up like a heavy set of dumbbells and I'll be like, you know. Uh, if I were you, I'm just going to give you a little advice here. I don't know if I'd lift those because you might get bigger and stronger. <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. it's, it's, so it's always fun because you're doing that sort of sneak approach where they say, well, who is this clown? Yeah. And, and I do wear the full clown regalia, you know, yeah. the nose, the shoes. I bring it to the gym. But, uh, you know, what is this guy about to say to me? Because it sounds like, Something maybe negative is coming my way, and it was actually something I I, I learned from you, uh, in performing that whenever you would use uh, say a member of the audience, you'd say you know your your rule was always you know you you would only ever make fun of somebody's strength.
0: Yeah, pick on their strength.
1: Pick on their strength. So if you've got the you know the the person up there that uh you bring somebody up who's you know six foot two. And uh looks like a Greek statue, you know, you you just it's like, so you work out or, you know, <laughs> I mean, you, know, yeah. you 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 have a little bit of fun at what is most obviously one of the, you know, a strong feature there is that everybody knows you're just kidding around. You're not you're not insulting anybody. You're elevating them. It's kind of fun.
0: It is. It's always fun to have people feel not threatened at all when it comes to uh, getting a little bit of tease because if you're picking on somebody's mm-hmm. strength that's always a good thing and then i always think it's wise to let the audience feel superior um and you, you do uh, the kind of humor or any kind of jokes that is going to be diminishing or putting somebody down as yeah. as tempting and fun as that can seem to feel like at, at at times um it's it's never edifying you're never bringing any kind of uh uh affirmation to somebody. So, yeah, just
1: yeah. let them feel superior. Well, I, I, I would do self-deprecating humor, but I'm just not very good at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I always knew that about you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they, they, that's that's I, I knew some performers way back in the day. And there was a, a, a magic trick that you could actually buy that was a chair that had a little an electrical current built into it. And when somebody sat down on it, you would push a remote control button and it would give them a shock. And you would do this whole routine, and I was so against it, so against it. And I, I and I thought, well, I don't even understand the point of this. So then somebody came up with a great idea. I says, I tell you what, let's get rid of the whole actually trying to electrocute somebody because <laughs> could be a bad idea. And I'll coach them on stage to react as if I've given them a shock. And I my my response was, but the audience still thinks you're giving him a shock.
0: Right. And you so, you were so against it, you stopped using that after six years, right?
1: I retired it. Well, the battery went right. out. And
0: <laughs> you, never, you never replaced it.
1: I never, you know, it's it was an odd size because it was built in a foreign country. You can't get those in America anymore. Yeah, so, yeah I love yeah, that.
0: I stopped using it. Yeah. So but, let me uh, go, go to a short break. But when I come back, it sounds like your 12-year-old daughter made a very impassioned presentation uh, about trying to get something from mom and dad. I want to find out about that when we come back. Patrick Albanese is my guest, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. We'll take a, a short one. Be right back. What would you do with a brain if
1: you had one?
0: do why if I had a brain I could I could while away the hours confirming with the flowers and with the rain and my head I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain I'm back with my friend Patrick Albanys, and the texts are coming in Patrick where we are messing up people's weeks because they're used to hearing you on Monday
1: <laughs> They're ending the week with me instead of starting the week yeah. with me.
0: Yeah, so we are we are messing up some people's weeks. But that's okay.
1: Mine's a little messed up.
0: I get, Mine's it. A little I get it. I get it. Yes. And We had Labor Day last Monday, and our fall share starts this coming Monday, so we can't have you on this coming Monday, so I wanted to squeeze you in. Otherwise, oh, I'd oh, miss talking fall, to you. I,
1: I love the fall share. I, I do, too. I love the fall share. I can't wait, yeah.
0: actually. It's going to be It's going to so, be a lot of fun. All right, yep. your 12-year-old daughter, she made a presentation uh uh, a powerpoint slideshow for you and your wife tell me what that was about
1: yeah, so yeah we were we we're having dinner the other day a nice spinach pie if you've nice. ever had it Haven't. quite the treat um, chicken in it's, it yeah oh yeah there's okay. chicken there's prosciutto there's spinach of nice. all things but uh yeah, and you can say to yourself what's well, got spinach in it it must be good for me I, <laughs> i'm pretty you know. Anyway, anyway said uh, when dinner's over uh, and I've done do, I'm done with the dishes, so you already know something's coming, right? Yeah. <laughs> she says, I, uh, "I, I, there's something I want to show the two of you. Take about 20 minutes." Like, oh, okay. I thought it was just going to be some homework or something like that. And we sit down, and we sit on the. She positions us on the couch, and she brings over the piano bench and puts a, her little uh, notebook computer on it. Opens it up and says, I made a slide uh, show presentation for you. It's like, really? And the opening <laughs> slide says, reasons why Ellie should have a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> and she went into uh, a presentation uh, and, I mean, she, to, her, to her everlasting credit, uh, it was brilliantly done. Although I said, you need a music bed. <laughs> 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 I recommend visuals. You need more pictures. Yeah, uh, but she covered the pros and the cons. You know, and uh, it, it's, <laughs> you'll you'll fully appreciate this. the The final slide says that concludes my presentation. I will now take questions from the audience. <laughs> so. But she was covering it all and she, you know, she had the things in there. Well, you know, it was a lot of pressure. You're 12 years old and all my friends have phones and, uh, you know, what happens if I'm out and everybody's phone battery has died and, suddenly, you know, So it's <laughs> you know, always kind of funny to say, well, you know, the likelihood of that happening, uh, you know, is, is, is very slim and of course she responds. She's so quick. She says, she goes, well, you don't know my friends.
0: <laughs> oh, funny.
1: So, um, yeah, she, uh. Uh, she did an exquisite job of selling us on the idea, although it's not like we had we, we've we had any hard and fast rules. We knew that the time was coming. Right. This is this is the day and age that we live. And uh, it's not a bad thing. You know, you can say, gosh, I didn't have a cell phone when I was a kid. So, well, they weren't invented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I remember when they were uh, – I was already in my teenage years as they were putting the cables in and saying there's this new thing coming, this newfangled television thing, and you'll never have to you know, go up on the roof again with an antenna. Uh, you remember those days. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, and and my mother was, why would you ever need that thing? And, uh, you know, I mean we fought to get call waiting. <laughs> she says, no, people can call back. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we 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 fought for all that stuff and uh I mean I remember making a presentation to my my mom uh you know x number of years ago <laughs> about wanting my own phone in my own room that I would pay for. And uh she said, "You know, I I don't want any more wires coming into the house." <laughs> So you would, paid the for the, the you
0: would have paid for the phone guy to come out and put a jack in your room and you would have paid for the phone and she didn't like the idea of yeah. another phone line coming into the house.
1: Well, And you know, and I used to, uh, I liked building props and I had already developed a thing where the phone would sink into a table and lock so that my siblings, one of eight, <laughs> that there's just no way anybody could use my phone because I knew what would happen if I had a phone and they did not have a phone. Yeah. So mine was going to be, mine was going to be protected.
0: Yeah. Now, I would imagine so. kids are telling their parents the phone is not a luxury. It's a necessity for their social world.
1: Yes. Isn't that and, the pitch? And, well, that was you know, part of it. Uh, but uh, she really did a much better sales job. You know, when it's kind of those, you know, benefits. You know, you're not you're not selling a car. You're selling benefits. Right. Mm hmm saying, wouldn't it be nice to be able to just drive stress-free with a new car that you don't have to worry about anything breaking down? And look at the mileage this gets. You won't be at the gas station anymore. The money you're going to save all for 1200 a month, you know. <laughs> so, uh, She was really good on selling the benefits to us. You'll always be able to get a hold of me. You'll always know where I am. Um, you know, I'm, I'm connected with my friends, uh, which is really nice, but, uh, I, you know, I don't really care about social media that much, you know, uh, but that's what they say. Right. Uh, she did a great job. And then she said, you know, I know here are the things I know you're worried about. And she ran down the list of, you know, uh, are you going to be spending too much time on the phone? Are you going to be, uh, you know, f- falling in with a strange group of people? I said, you know, we're not going to let that happen because if it ha if you do get one, we're gonna, you know, monitor stuff. I don't have a a problem with monitoring that. You know, you and I often talk about when you're a kid. You, you know, when they people say, "What's it like to grow up under communism?" I go, "Oh, I know what it's like. <laughs> it was my house. <laughs> you know, I mean, everything was paid for, but boy, were there a lot of rules and." You know, you're just going, I cannot wait to get out from under this oppressiveness of having all my needs met. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it was it was pretty cute. Yeah. It was it was very cute. And of course, since our son is only fifteen months behind her in age, you can't he never pushes anything. He's very clever. Oh wait, oh I got a joke for you from him. I got a joke for you. You want to hear my kid's joke? Sure. Did you hear about the new corduroy pillow? No. They're making headlines all over the place. <laughs> That's
0: cute. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. Now the text line's lighting up. Is she going to get a phone?
1: Uh, let's see. Probably we're thinking Christmas. Okay. You know, and a new phone uh, or a hand me down? A hand me down. Okay. You know, I mean, you have a lot of siblings, didn't you? Do the hand me down thing?
0: You know, I I liked the idea of the hand me downs. I was excited to get the hand me down. That was exciting to me.
1: Well, I was not as excited because I have five sisters. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was like that's uh, those saddle shoes. That's not me. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's uh, what I enjoyed was like the the hand me down bike. So I did have two older brothers. And so when they outgrew a bike, they go, that's coming my way. Yeah. That is, yeah. You know, the best thing, the best hand-me-down was the hand-me-down solo bedroom. Um, that's because the Because we shared bedrooms.
0: That would that, be the prize.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, you start talking in your brother's ear when he turns 18 saying, isn't about time for you to move out? Isn't it about time for you to kind of be out on your own? You don't like it here. Come on. Come on. You know, I got curtains picked out for the room. So,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's not where I expected you were going to be going with that.
1: Oh, no, it's like you're trying to get rid of the, you're trying to get rid of your siblings so that you can start spreading out and getting your own room. Yeah, mm, I want the hand-me-down bedroom. Yep.
0: Say, I know you're uh, big into history, and do you know how the Hatfield-McCoy feud started?
1: I do Ooh. know how the Hatfield-McCoy A- it douche-ya. started over. <laughs> It was an accusation over a stolen pig. Really? You, you know, I don't know if it was Hatfield or McCoy who was accusing the other of stealing a pig. And uh, the feud lasted 30 years. Like, can you imagine if in modern day the Hatfields and McCoys just had the next door neighbor app instead? <laughs> <laughs> Say, is any, Did anybody see somebody? i.e. somebody named Hatfield, (laughs) remove a pig from the McCoy farm. (laughs) It's a whole different world, you see? So uh, social media has helped. Actually, yeah, I think the next door Neighbor app probably is going to create a lot more Hatfield McCoys, isn't it?
0: I I almost wonder if it's uh, helpful or if it just sets up um, more reasons to not want to communicate with your neighbors. I, I, I love the talking to people in person and connecting with them versus connecting on the internet. I think it's... Much wiser to talk to them
1: intentionally. Your yeah, th- your 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 internal barometer goes into where uh, I don't know what it is about the safety of anonymity or distance uh, of electrons. Where people sometimes say things, they go, "That wasn't very nice." That was not a nice thing to say. And uh, you know, in person, you, you you tend to bite your tongue, which means you're giving the other person more of a chance to state their case and then maybe you learn something yeah isn't that the old saying when you talk you repeat what you already know but when you listen you learn yeah
0: that's so true and yeah. you know God gives us the ability to close our mouth and not our ears so it's really nice that we can always be listening we, but we don't yes. always have to be talking
1: we don't always have to unless you're yeah. in talk radio and then it's then you should be talking yeah well you, should, you gotta fill some of that air
0: you get notes from management if you don't talk <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, I really love the show. It appears you're saving your voice for something. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that old saying,
0: Patrick, you are what you eat, but there's a new study out that says um, that you, uh, your mood is going to be uh, affected by what you eat. I think that's interesting. I, I know that when I eat healthy and clean, I'm in a slightly better mood. What about you?
1: Uh, I am Uh, definitely. You know, you eat a good salad and you say, "I can't." I feel so good, and then you then you follow it with a key lime pie and you say, "I feel even better." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There are, you know, it's uh, yeah. You are what you eat, which is why I no longer eat beef jerky. Yeah, good for you. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but they do talk about just uh, you know, mental distress if you have nutritional deficiencies, and of course that makes perfect sense. Um, so. I think it's wise yeah. to eat well, get exercise, and make sure you get lots of good sleep. So that's what I'm ordering you to do this weekend.
1: I will. Uh, I will. I also, I'm getting in my steps. Oh, hey, I got a question. I know you'd like to keep the fitness thing. When it comes to counting steps, can is it okay? You're doing the daily thing, right? Is it okay to use an average? Because uh. <laughs> you know, I walked a really, a lot as a kid. Yeah. I walked a lot as a kid. Yeah. And if I could just bring some of those steps forward... From when I walked two and a half miles to school. Yeah, it'll bump your numbers up significantly.
0: Yes. Anyway, keep I'm... it up. Thanks, Patrick. Will do. Yep. Thanks. Take a little break when we come back. Steve Carter is going to join us. We're going to spend, I think, 25 minutes talking about Psalm 106, verse 20. I can hardly wait. challenge. And today, Steve Carter and I are going to tackle Psalm 106, verse 20. I don't know how we're going to get 25 minutes out of this, but I love a challenge. Steve is a pastor and speaker, author, podcast, sports enthusiast. I want to talk about the NFL season just briefly. And he's also the formerly teaching pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. And he's also uh, written a great book called The Thing Beneath the Thing, which is a cool book. We've already talked about it once. I'm always happy to talk about it again. But today, uh, I'm welcoming welcoming him back. Steve, hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing, my friend? Good. So I also noticed that you had either an endorsement from our quarterback, Kirk Cousins, for your book, or just you know him and he endorsed you.
2: (laughs) Kirk Cousins, uh, he he and I have gone back. We've known each other for a number of years, uh, known as Dad, and he is as good as they come. He is as good as they come.
0: Yeah, he's a good man. So I appreciate uh, tackling this uh, topic of Psalm 106, verse 20. Let me read it they exchanged their glorious god for an image of a bull which eats grass that's it <laughs> i'll 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 now hang up and listen
2: well you know you know if you if you look at your if you look at your verse and it says you know glorious god there's usually like a little footnote and the footnote in hebrew it just it literally is they exchanged their glory mm. for for an image of a bull or an image of an ox which eats grass, which obviously takes you back to Exodus thirty two, which is the story of the golden calf. And and what's amazing about the story is Moses is up on the mountain having a conversation with God and he's getting the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets. It's like thunder and lightning on top of Sinai. But the whole nation's wondering, is Moses coming down? Is he coming back? Are we okay? And they're filled with anxiety. Like many of us are filled with anxiety today, and they don't know what to do with it, and they start to remember what other people have done. They start to feel their ears and their arms and bracelets and necklaces, and they start to go like, let's take that gold and let's fashion this golden cast somewhere where we can literally transfer our anxieties and our worry onto and they build this golden calf. Mm-hmm. And, what's, and and I, I think we do this every day. We do this, we exchange our glory for the image of an Oreo. We do this every day. We exchange our glory for work, or for our cell phones, or for just staying busy, or for alcohol, or for gambling. Like, we, we exchange it because we want something that's going to tell us we're okay. Yeah, You know what I mean? And oh, so yeah. that, that's the, that, that phrase has just messed with me the last couple of weeks because I keep thinking, gosh, man, this is an unhealthy escape right now. And am I willing to exchange? New Living Translation says trade my glory. Am I willing to trade my glory? Like the weightiness of God within me, my relationship with God for this ox, for this kind of work or for this, like, conversation of gossip, for this trying to be proven right on Twitter. Like, am I, am I willing to do that? And, man, I, it's, just, it's just messed with me. I know you have a heartbeat for this, Bill. Like, what, what does it make you think?
0: Well, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, we're we're tracking here, so we're looking at an all sufficient, all powerful God, and we are uh, turning away from that and moving towards something that is going to be meeting my need today. That's not Him. Yes. And that makes me crazy yeah. because yeah. I'm I, I will do that myself, and I'm sh- ashamed to admit it.
2: Yeah. Okay, you want to take it even to a whole other level? Sure. Exodus 32, Moses gets wind of this. He comes down the mountain, you know, charlton Heston style, holding the two, like, stone tablets, and he sees, like, this rave breaking out. Exodus 32, like, the people are dancing. The word that they use is revelry. There's all of this, like, excitement as they're, like, transferring their anxiety on this golden calf. Moses loses himself in this moment and throws the stone tablets they break into all of these pieces, walks up to the Golden path, He, like, basically heats up the fire, melts it, and then chops it up into, like, finite pieces, adds some water, makes a little cocktail, and then makes all of the Hebrew people drink it. Whoa. And you're like, what? what what's this about? And, and here's, what, here's what I think. Here's what I think. Moses is, like, saying, hey, you transferred your anxieties onto that that." that thing that can't hold you. It can't hold it. And like, it's not going to take it away. And if you're going to be the people, God's people in the promised land, you're going to have to learn how to do this. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put all of that anxiety back into you. And you're going to have to do it, do it over and do it differently. And I I think there's something so fascinating about this because he's like literally saying, you can't exchange your glory. This thing that you're trans- it, your work, like that relationship, that food, whatever that, that thing that we want to trade or exchange or glorify, it can't hold you. It can't hold it and tell you at the deepest soul, most human way that you're going to be good and that you're going to be okay. Only God can do that. And until you wrestle that thing down to the ground, you're going to keep looking to trade, look. Looking for these substitutes, looking to exchange the glory for something that can't hold it.
0: Isn't wow. It fascinating. That is Steve Carter, my guest. We're uh, talking about Psalm 106, verse 20. And Steve, when I, I want to go back to the golden calf because it seems that we all have, I'll call them disordered loves. It's not that we love bad things, but we sometimes love good things too much. Mm. And, and so we'll trade our glory for what would be a very attractive thing. In our life, and it's not a bad thing. It's just that we love a good thing too much, and we're putting that in front of God. This would this would be the time you'd respond.
2: Oh, <laughs> I'm like listening to you. I'm like, start preaching, Bill. Come on, man. No, but I I think you're still right, though. Like that's that's the thing because there there are these, you know, Tim Keller calls them counterfeit gods. Yes. Right? They're just they're these counterfeits. C. S. Lewis would say all evil is, is co-opted good. So it's again these good desires that we had that we that got co-opted, you know, money or work or, or sex or or you know, relationship, all that stuff can get co opted and in it we almost siphon out the good of it to try and meet our needs or tell us that we're going to be okay. And that's when codependency kicks in. That's when all of these things start to happen and we miss the point. We miss the plot and we miss God in that moment. And that's what God I think is trying to redeem in all of us right now is where are the places that we are turning, that we are exchanging the glory that are socially acceptable and socially unacceptable these substitutes, these counterfeit gods, these disorderly loves, as you beautifully called it, and coming back to Him, coming back to His love, His grace, His peace, His truth. Mm -hmm. Now it's your turn to talk.
0: Yeah. Okay, Psalm 106, verse 20. Steve Carter and I are talking about this verse, and I'll be curious to see if we can get the whole half hour out of this verse, because right now I'm running out of material, but... (laughs) It's you know what it says they exchanged their glorious God for an image of a bull which eats grass when I get to the which eats grass part I think there's some contempt there because this bull which eats grass means this thing has to sustain itself and it also produces dung and you're trading this for the all powerful all sufficient God what?
2: you are exactly correct like it's literally like he, the writer here is trying to get you to go. Do you <laughs> understand this? This what this thing really is? Right. I mean, like, do you understand? Like, is it is a it bull? It's an ox. Like it, it
0: eats. It's a like, beast. It, yes, it's disgusting. Yes, it's disgusting.
2: <laughs> and, so, so, and again, it, there's, <laughs> there's like a moment that I just think those those last few words that they add that eats grass. Yeah, And I, I just I, – I'm with you because I think so often when we find those sinful patterns, those broken patterns that we run to, if we were just to be able to step back, play it out for a moment, and really kind of go, okay, okay, this is an image of something good. And that thing, that thing, that thing's—I mean, that thing eats grass. <laughs> that thing is not. That thing does not sustain itself. That thing did not create me. That not That thing did not put purpose and goodness into me. That that thing—it's just an unhealthy escape. Am I going to trade my glory for that thing? No, no, no. Why would I want to do that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you've got this this uh, supreme being, and we are going to compare this to something as low and unworthy as a grass eating bull. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> a grass eating <laughs> ox that eateth grass. And and
2: and what's so awesome because Moses, I mean, because he, he talks about this. This is like a, a, a defining moment for the Hebrew nation. Exodus 32, obviously you got Psalm 106 retelling the story. Deuteronomy 9 talks about it too. And, and what I love is, is verse 21, M- Moses says, Also, I took that sinful thing of yours, the calf you had made, and burned it in the fire. And I crushed it and ground it to powder, powder as fine as dust. And threw it the dust into a stream that flowed down the mountain. Like I, I just, I love this thing because Moses just calls it out. I took that sinful thing of yours, and I think some for me, if I'm, you know, moments where I'm really, really honest, I don't want him to take that sinful thing. I don't. I don't. I don't. I. I it, it's become so familiar. It's become the thing that I run, I run to and turn to, just to to kind of tell me I'm going to be good and be okay. like And, and again, socially acceptable. Nobody's going to have to know about this. Yeah. This is the thing I turn to. And again, what God is looking for is people to say, no, no, I took that sinful thing. And I, I just said, enough of it. That thing eats grass. It can't hold me. Right. It can't contain me. Right. You
0: know? Now, Steve, I'm going to jump ahead into the first chapter of Romans because I, I remember reading in Romans something similar to it, and I looked it up while you were talking. I was listening to you and paying attention, just so you know. <laughs> so I don't think I wasn't. But in Romans chapter 1, verse starting in 22, it says, Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So we're still doing it in the New Testament.
2: 100%. Yeah. A
0: hundred percent. We don't learn our lesson yeah. very quickly.
2: Right, yeah. right. And, and, you know, and you go, you go to the next verse in Romans, and it's like, therefore God gave them over to those sinful desires right. of their hearts. And, I, and I, love, I love what that phrase says, is that the sinful desires of their hearts brings you back to Proverbs chapter four. Man, we, we should just go on tour, you and me preaching back and forth. <laughs> but like, here's the thing, Proverbs four, right? It says, above all else, guard your hearts for everything flows from it. Mm-hmm. And that, that word guard in Hebrew is the word natsar. And it literally means, like, if, if, you're a, if you're a basketball fan listening, think about the feistiest, you know, Patrick Beverly kind of defender. Like, we guard our social security number. We guard our Facebook login information. We guard our bank information. We don't guard our trash when we bring it out the night before. We don't guard our hearts and what this writer in in Proverbs 4 is saying like above all else if you don't listen to anything it's a father talking to a son if you don't listen to anything else i say you've got to guard your heart because everything's going to flow from it and again when we're when we don't and we are unaware disconnected from our heart and we we are going to we're going to substitute we're going to exchange our glory We're going to choose the the, the smaller things rather than the more godlier and holier things.
0: Yeah. Steve, can we talk about that after the break? What does it mean to guard your heart? I was a C student, so I don't know if I completely understand all that. I think I have an idea, but I'd like to hear your take on it as well. Let's do it. All right. Steve Carter is my guest. In addition to talking about Psalm 106, verse 20 today, uh, we're also uh, talking about his book, The Thing Beneath the Thing. We'll be right back. Carter. He's a pastor, a speaker. He's an author. He's a podcast host. He kind of does it all. He was the former lead teaching pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. We're talking about uh, Psalm 106 verse 20 today, trying to get as much out of this as we can. But right before the break, Steve, we talked about the idea of what does it mean to guard your heart? And I wanted to uh, get your take on that. I know believers are instructed above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it.
2: Yeah, I, I, for me as a teacher and somebody who studies God's Word, I'm constantly trying to hear an idea, and then how do I apply it to my life?
0: Perfect. And You're the right guest for I, my show, just so you know.
2: <laughs> oh, well, when, I, when I think about this, like, for me, every Sunday night, Monday morning, I have a practice, and it's, it's really predicated on this verse. And the first thing I do is I look back at the past week, because we all have 168 hours, and I play it back. And I go, hey, was there a moment in the past week where I didn't guard my heart? And I'm not looking for like the bad fruit. I'm not looking for like some bad decision. I'm looking at what caused me to make that decision. Was I tired? Was I stressed? Was I worried? What, You know, literally what's the thing beneath the thing for me in that moment? And I write about that. I confess that. I, I just bring that before God. And then the second part of that practice is I play it out. And now I look at uh, at the week ahead and I imagine that, hey, you know what, I'm probably going to be in a situation where I'm feeling stressed or hungry or tired or anxious. And now I imagine Jesus almost like a Coach K or a Coach Popovich or, uh, you know, a great coach beside me going, hey, you, you, you don't want to react. Because anytime we react, we're just reenacting the past. What's the, what's the more Jesus response? You're feeling tired. You're feeling stressed. What are you going to do? And it's in that moment I just play it out and I go, This is how I would how I will choose to respond in that moment. It's like practice. It's just me practicing by myself in my office.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then the third the third part of that practice is I don't just play it back and play it out. I play it smart. And what I mean by this is if everything's flowing out of my heart and I gotta guard it, I gotta refuel my heart. And so what am I going to do in this coming week to pour into my heart? It might be um, diving into God's Word. It might be through worship. It might be through hiking. It might be through a conversation with a friend or being with, you know, with my small group. What's the thing that's going to literally refill my heart? And then the last thing I do is not just play it back, play it out, play it smart. I decide. I decide. This is the most important part. I decide to play it honest. Because, again, feelings— have movement. That's why they call it emotion. And our feelings, if we're unaware of it, it's going to take us places to exchange our glory. And so for me, I say I play it honest, and I will be emotionally honest. So when my wife asks me, how are you doing? I don't just say, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm choosing to be emotionally honest. I'm tired. I feel stressed. I feel a little worried right now. And I'm choosing to be honest and show up so that I can guard my heart so that the best stuff flows out of it and I do not choose to exchange my glory for something that you beautifully said eats
0: grass. (laughs) So when I think of guarding your heart, some of the things that pop into my head right away are, how am I doing with anger, pride, and temptation? It's good. Because I think if those things start to get a little out of whack, I think, boy, my heart's going to be in trouble. That's
2: right. That's right.
0: That's right.
2: Yeah. That, I, I refer to that as the Pats, you know, pride, anger and temptation. You yeah. know, you just got to watch out for Pat. Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> because when you when you when you think about that, pride is a heart that cements. It's not curious. It's not humble. Anger is just a mask for our sadness and temptation is just taking the enemy's bait. And so there's no level of discernment. So when we are people who are humble and curious, when we are people that are like in touch with our feelings and we can see and discern the good things over the lesser things, we're going to make better choices. So I love that to identify the paths in our life.
0: Yeah. When it comes to pride, I mean, you, if you do a podcast. I, I mean, I host a live radio show. You, you can have pride. You'll get your head handed to you every day.
2: That's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, and I think it's something you just got to keep in check, right? You just got to, you got to understand that. um, (laughs) Just, just know, like you're, you're not, I mean, you're not the, the, what people say about you uh, after the best show. And you're not what people say about you after the worst show, you know? And I believe half of that. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's, that's part of it. It's just that wrestling of learning (laughs) of like, no, this is, this is who I am, this is whose I am, and I can live in confidence with that.
0: Yeah, so I want to go back to um, focusing my mind, and I think you'll probably agree with this, Steve Carter, is that if we do what Paul instructs us to do, and focus on what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable or praiseworthy or excellent, these are the things we need to put and focus our mind on.
2: That's right, that's right you know, Max Lucado, he wrote a great book called Anxious for Nothing. And Max, just be praying for him. I he know. Admit, announced uh, just going through some, some health stuff right now, but he has been a, a true blessing in my life. But in Anxious for Nothing, Max talks about how we are the air traffic controllers of our minds. And I remember talking with him once and he said, hey, give yourself like an airport code. So I just made it up with my initials, SRC. And, you know, anything that is negative that's going to land in our heart and land in our minds, we should reroute it. And so I'm a huge Michigan football fan. And so anytime anything negative comes, I just reroute it to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and Columbus, <laughs> Ohio, Their football teams are way too good. But like, I, but the idea is then our minds should let all the beautiful things that, that verse that you quoted from Philippians, the things that are pure and lovely and good and worthy, like, we need to let those land in our mind, let those land in our heart, and when we do that, man, we set ourselves up to see people as God sees people and see the world as God sees us.
0: Yeah, I sometimes think of thoughts that coming are coming into my head, and I think, well, I've got an operator, and either the flesh is going to answer or the spirit's going to answer.
2: That's right. That is right. And uh, sometimes you just got to send that straight to voicemail. That negative. <laughs> that negative <laughs> I'm
0: negative not taking song. this one. I don't. I'm just. Yeah, exactly. This goes to voicemail, and I'm gonna just hit delete, delete. <laughs>
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So I think we've done a fairly nice job of uh, filling 25 minutes on Psalm 10620. Any uh, parting thoughts on this?
2: No, I I just—I think for each of your listeners, and you do a great job just with your—just the ways that you just kind of lead and pastor and just kind of help people think about the deeper things. I just—people are just driving right now, and and I I just imagine them going into this weekend— and whether they're, they find themselves like going online or they find themselves in a conversation with a spouse or with a kid, just, I just, I'm just praying and hoping that each of us would just choose not to exchange our glory for pride or for anger or temptation or any kind of substitute that eats grass. We would literally, we would choose to live into our glory this weekend and be the people that God intended and created us to be.
0: Yeah, Steve. When we're when I was getting ready to talk to you about this verse and this topic about exchanging the you know the glory um, for the cow or the ox that eats grass, I I had a memory of uh, the line from one of C.S. Lewis' books about the kid that would rather play in the mud puddle than have a vacation at the sea.
2: I had not thought about that, but that is really good.
0: Yeah, and it's like, that do you just really want good. to keep playing in the mud puddle, or do you want to go have a vacation at the sea? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I want the vacation, my friend. Yeah, I'll take the Where vacation. Where are you taking me? Where oh, are you well, thinking? I will. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to look at the <laughs> at the brochures. <laughs> 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 and wherever we go, it's going to be off-season for sure. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> are you living oh. in California? No,
2: I'm originally from California, but I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Right you're now. in
0: Phoenix, okay? Yep. So, what uh, what team are you cheer, are you cheering for on the pro level?
2: So, pro level, um Chicago Bears, okay. Chicago Cubs. I'm um, kind of still have my Chicago roots.
0: Yeah, yeah. I figured that's hard to give up, isn't it?
2: It is. It is. Yeah. It is. You you drink the Kool Aid once and you're, you're at <laughs> Wrigley, and you're you're forever. I you're get gone. it.
0: Yeah, Wrigley an amazing yeah. place. Steve Carter, thank you so much for being on the show. Always great to talk hey. to you.
2: Definitely, my friend. Thank you. Yep,
0: you bet. All right. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, I've got a a whole hour that we're going to talk to Philip Shorey, and he's written a a book on travelogues of his uh, five generations of family that have done evangelism around the world uh, using their creative arts and music, uh, puppetry, magic. It is going to be fascinating, and his stories are remarkable. I mean, I remember... um, talking to people about evangelism, and they always encouraged people that had the ability to get in places that other people can't, to make sure you did that. And Philip and his family have been doing that, and they've got into some places that you can't even imagine, and he's going to be telling us about that uh, after the break. So we'll take a short break and be right back with uh, Philip (laughs) Shorey. I also want to say before uh, we go to this break that we have got Fall Share coming up on Monday, and I cannot wait. I'm probably not going to sleep much Sunday night because I can't believe how much I love talking about the vision of Faith Radio and hearing from you, hearing about what the station means to you and what your life, uh, how your life has been uh, transformed by the Lord through the ministry of Faith Radio and what your vision is uh, for your plan to give if you want to Eat everybody on your block. You can go right now to MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.